Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the EFG Daily Commute. My name is Steven Dutzman, I am your host. I am also the founder of EngagedFamilyGaming.com. That is a website on the internet where parents like myself and my co-hosts come together to give everyone the information they need to get their family game on. Yesterday was my first EFG Daily Commute on the new combined unified Voltron feed where all of our podcasts will be, so I'm glad... Those of you who heard that, that are fans of the uh, Mothership podcast or whatever we're going to decide to call it, um, stuck around. So thank you very much. I know yesterday I said I was going to talk about our games of the year. However, brief change of plans. I'm actually going to talk about our family-friendly video games of the decade. This is a project that I did with some of the other members on the EFG team. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, towards the end of last year. We did create a whole bunch of social posts, rolled up into a blog, and I thought, why not? Let's talk about it here on the EFG Daily Commute. So, um, 10 games. I worked with my kids. I worked with some of our other editors, um, you know, the, the infinite co-hosts, Michael, my brother. Um, and we came up with a list of 10 family-friendly games that just rise above the rest. There have been so many great games that have come out in the last decade, but... Uh, I wanted to highlight 10 specifically. So, um, let's just get rolling with it. The first game, I, I could not start a list of family-friendly video games in the last 10 years without talking about Skylanders. So, uh, I put Skylanders Spyro's Adventure on the list. Now, I know I got some flack on it because Spyro's Adventure, the very first one, was not the best in that franchise. In fact, I think it'd be kind of interesting now that it's done in retrospect to go back and maybe rank them. I guess that's maybe a project for another day. But I chose uh, Spyro's Adventure because it is the first game. It was the first real Toys to Life game and it kicked off a... Um, some people would say it was a nightmare, but I think that it was a great great time. So many cool toys, so many cool games. Um, ultimately, it came down to the big three, and there were a bunch of others that tried to capitalize on it. Most recently, Starlink. Um, but man, Spyro's Adventure was the very first one. And I remember um, being home and you know, seeing the news from New York Toy Fair, because that's really where it made its big debut, right? And I remember seeing the news break from New York Toy Fair about Skylanders, Spyro's adventure, and how they were going to take Spyro the Dragon, who was already kind of a video game icon in his own right, give him some friends, and um, they were going to have their own game, and these games these games were going to involve toys that had NFC chips that you could put on a portal, and I thought it sounded neat, but I had my doubts until I actually played it. And let me tell you, it worked. It was just something so satisfying about switching characters on that portal. Yes, it did get a little old eventually, um, but I thought it was a, a whole lot of fun. And yeah, so uh, Sky, Spyro, or I'm sorry, Skylanders, Spyro's Adventure, definitely had to sit at number 10. Um, the, one of the other reasons why I really, before I even move on to the next one, one of the defenses that I have for that game, um, and one of the reasons why I actually really 
think that it should stand at the top or close to the top is that um, the first one was simpler in that it had fewer characters. It didn't have a gimmick because its only gimmick was there are Skylanders of different elements. It didn't have giants or a swap force or a trap team and, you know, things like that. There was no gimmick. And also, and this is a subtle difference, you could not jump in that game. It meant that all the puzzles could be done without any kind of platforming. And I really thought that was a big deal. So it made the game a little bit more accessible to younger, to younger players. Now, was it an easy game? No, not necessarily. And if you put it on the higher challenge levels, it definitely could get pretty challenging. But the, the real difference is 3D platforming is really tough for younger players. So being able to just avoid that and make it just, can you outfight the hordes of enemies? And yeah, there were some push block puzzles, but nothing insurmountable. Um, I, it definitely made it more accessible. And so for a lot of kids, this felt like a Diablo or a, a gauntlet that was accessible to them because it had cute monsters as opposed to like demons and stuff. So um, big fan of that. Um, again, yep, Spyro, uh, Skylanders, Spyro's Adventure at number 10. Um, number 9 is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Mario Kart is the biggest Nintendo franchise by a mile. I know a lot of folks are surprised when they hear that, right? They think, well, it's got to be a Super Mario Brothers or Legend of Zelda. Not true. Mario Kart is the biggest Nintendo franchise and has been since its release on the Nintendo Wii. That's really when it kind of just took over with Mario Kart Wii. Um, Mario Kart 8, when it was released on the Wii U, was the best Mario Kart ever made. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Switch is just that, but better. Bundled in the DLC, um, which, by the way, I'm surprised they had not added more. Um, and the... Like, for example, how is Pikachu not in Mario Kart yet, if Legend of Zelda is? I don't know. I, I just thought that that would be... Uh, kind of made sense. Um, the... It is the perfect Mario Kart game. It, it has throwbacks to older classics. It's absolutely gorgeous. The soundtrack... You can just listen to the soundtrack. For, I can listen to it for hours. Um, it has all the racers that we know and love, plus new ones. Um, the, the differences between racers are meaningful. The tracks are interesting and inventive. Um, the Animal Crossing track, the fact that <coughs> the Animal Crossing track, excuse me, is, <coughs> excuse me again, the fact that the Animal Crossing track is essentially like kind of low-key four different tracks because of the different seasons is so cool. And the, 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 the Legend of Zelda track, where they change the coins into rupees, like these little touches are just purely Nintendo. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe absolutely belongs on this game. It is a game, the, whenever someone tells me that they are buying a Nintendo Switch, the first question I ask them is, did you buy Mario Kart? Because um, if they didn't, I tell them to go get it right away. Mario Kart is the game. Um, and it's one of the one of the few games out there that I will recommend to literally anyone. 
And that's impressive, right? I mean, there's a lot of great games, but for Zelda, I'll be like, so do you like adventure games? You know, that kind of thing. Mario Kart, I will recommend to literally anyone. And it is a must own if you own a Nintendo Switch. Okay, so that's 10 and 9. Now let's go to 8. We're going to go back in time for this one. This is Super Mario Galaxy 2. Um, and this is not the oldest game on this list. However, it's still an oldie by these standards. This game released on the Nintendo Wii back in the back in the day, the beginning of the decade. So, uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2 is a 3D platforming game from the Wii. Um, and essentially, we can't talk about Super Mario Galaxy 2 without talking about Super Mario Galaxy. Um, Super Mario Galaxy just kind of reinvented the 3D platforming genre from Mario, right? Rather than one big open world to explore and paint things to jump into, like in Mario 64, or kind of this open world from Super Mario Sunshine, we got a, um, a series of worlds that were essentially all spheres. They were all their own little planets with their own little rules, themes, etc. Um, and it was great. It's so fun. It absolutely captured exactly what the Nintendo we wanted to do with the Mario franchise. And Super Mario Galaxy 2 just took that to 11. It added Yoshi. It gave you an easier to traverse main world, or uh, world map, which was a, a subtle change, but it was pretty significant. Um, it added new suits, and as most Mario games do, but I think that the suits they added in Super Mario Galaxy 2, like the cloud, uh, where you can kind of make your own platforms, really changed the game. Um, they also kind of made it a little harder, um, and I think that was important. The first game was a little bit easier. Um, Super Mario Galaxy 2, unfortunately, it's one of the it's on this list. It's one of the only games that's actually kind of tough to play right now, and that's disappointing. Um, I have been hoping, beyond hope, that Nintendo would announce like a Super Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 remaster or remake for the Switch. Um, it would basically be printing money, so I don't really know why they haven't done it. I'm sure they have good reason. But Nintendo, if you are listening, remake Super Mario Galaxy 2. We need to see it. Next, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Longtime EFG fans know we absolutely love this game. It's a huge deal for us when it came out. It is the best-selling fighting game of all time. Let's just put that out of there. Um, there have been some great and very well-sold fighting games. The Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has absolutely eclipsed all of them. Um, and it doesn't hurt that it's an amazing video game in and of itself. It has so many fighters, all of them so well-balanced. Um, this is just a crazy good party game. Now, we talk about must-owns on the Nintendo Switch. I think that Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is right there at number two after Super Mario Kart. Because that, the, the advantage to Super Smash Bros. is that it's simple and accessible, so just about anyone can play. That is not something that you can say about Street Fighter V or, obviously, Mortal Kombat and things like that. Smash is a bunch of toys fighting on someone's desk. And at the end of the, or at least that's that was the conceit for the first one, as far as I'm concerned, that's never changed. Um, it is simple, it is fun, the characters are recognizable because it's everyone from Nintendo. 
Um, and some wacky ones, right? Like, who wouldn't want to play as We Fit Trainer? Um, so, big fan of that. Um, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate had to be on this list. Some people might argue, you know, that it's not the best Smash game. Some people will argue with me that, um, I, that that would be Super Smash Bros. Melee. And I will say, no, I, I disagree. You can certainly enjoy your games. But for me, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is truly the ultimate Super Smash Bros. experience. It is definitely one of the best experiences that my family has had in the last decade gaming-wise. And it definitely belongs on this list. Next. Marvel's Spider-Man. Okay. So, Marvel's Spider-Man was our game of the year in 2018. And it, it was... Oh, man, it was so good. Now, it really wasn't close. Last year, it didn't really have any competition, but it would have stood up to many of the other games in other years. Um, it is Insomniac Games, the company that made Marvel Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4, really nailed what it meant to be Spider-Man. Spider-Man is all about sarcasm, obviously, crazy jokes, and those were there. But it also... He's about movement. He's about getting from place to place in a really cool way. And just like I'll never forget that first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire, like at the end of the movie where he's kind of swinging through New York, um, you know, after he's kind of fully realized himself, like that web swinging sequence was so cool getting a chance to see it. Um, I'll remember swinging around New York in Marvel Spider-Man. Um, forever. Such a cool experience. They really nailed it. They made it fun. Um, once you got used to it, you know, there was a little bit of a learning curve, but once you got used to it, you really were able to just fly around that city and make it look fun and cool. Um, and that, that by itself was worth putting it on the list. It doesn't hurt that the combat was cool. The story was very awesome. It was one of the best Spider-Man stories I've seen in a while. Um, it came to an emotional conclusion, um, and, man, I will not forget that. Um, I can't wait for Marvel Spider-Man 2, which is inevitably going to be arriving on the PlayStation 5. Okay, next. Shovel Knight. Okay, let's just talk about Shovel Knight. Um... <laughs> Shovel Knight is the little Kickstarter that could. This game was a Kickstarter in 2013. And it was funny, and it was marketed in an interesting way because it was, like, this is kind of a throwback to classic Nintendo games. Um, and it did, it, it delivered exactly what they said. It made so much money. It went absolutely crazy with stretch goals, to the point where they promised like five different games. And I remember there being think pieces thinking that Shovel Knight was going to be the Kickstarter gaming bubble. Like there's no way that Yacht Club Games was going to be able to deliver this game. Um, well, guess what? Not only did they deliver Shovel Knight, but they released everything else. Um, they just finished the Shovel Knight treasure trove this past month. That means we have Plague Knight, we have Spectre Knight, and King Knight, and a Super Smash Brothers style party game that features, you know, not only the various knights, but other villains from the game. 
this is just such a cool little experience. The games are fun. Um, and I, longtime fans know yeah, that, that Shovel Knight is one of my favorites. Um, I am so happy that it is. Um, what I'm really happy about is that they're done. And it's not that I don't want more Shovel Knight. I do. I absolutely love the idea of more Shovel Knight. But Yacht Club Games has been working on Shovel Knight-style games since 2013. And probably before that. I want to see what they can do next. Or where they can take Shovel Knight next. Um, because they can either make another Shovel Knight game. Or, um, I mean, they can do whatever they want. They're even getting into publishing. So, Shovel Knight... It was our game of the year, the year that it actually came out back in 2014. Um, maybe it was 2015. I can't eat. The years are just flying together at this point. But I know the year it came out, it was our game of the year. And I absolutely adore this game. And I think for anyone that enjoys or has fond memories of the NES and Super NES, you owe it to yourself to play Shovel Knight. Yes, it is absurd. It's about a knight that fights with a shovel. Get over it. You'll like it. Next. Now, this is this is going to get nuts, guys. Okay? Number four is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So, people that know me, a lot of people are like, holy crap. If you're putting Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild at four, what in the world could you possibly be putting ahead of it? Well, we'll get there. But let's talk about Legend of the... Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild first. There are some naysayers that want to throw out some revisionist history that Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild didn't do anything new or interesting, and all of those people are crazy. Okay. You may not think it was a, a great Zelda game, because maybe you are kind of attached to the old Legend of Zelda tropes, like go get three things, going into three dungeons, and each time you go into a dungeon, you get a different tool that unlocks things. You know, if you're into and, and focused entirely on that particular gameplay paradigm, then yeah, okay, I get that. But the game, its level of polish, the way that the world was designed to always keep pulling you forward, and not by looking at a mini-map, but because you could just always stand in a place and everywhere you stood there was something interesting just off in the distance that would pull you i remember saying okay i need to go find this tower wanted to find a tower and every time i went to go look for one of those towers i got sidetracked for at least an hour you know, go into this place. I would find a, a camp in a Bokoblins, or I would find a weird monster I hadn't seen, or an interesting um, puzzle, or just something that was visually interesting, or I would get sidetracked by like a weird mountain, or, you know, just something that really, or a shrine that was just kind of hidden. So many of those things were hidden. It was crazy just dealing with that. Um, I absolutely adore this game. Um, it is, as far as I'm concerned, and I've said it before, the best video game that Nintendo has ever made, period, full stop. There's some people that disagree with me. That's fine. We all live in a world where it's okay to be wrong, um, especially about unimportant things. Um, 
it is, uh, I cannot wait for the sequel, which theoretically is coming out in the next year or two, um, because being able to build on the foundation they laid, I can't even imagine how good that video game is going to be. Um, but the it, rather than having Link's arsenal be based on just different tools that he finds, they just gave him essentially magic powers, either gifts from spirits or the, the different bombs that he can make through his Sheikah Slate, um, which is essentially a tablet. Um, man, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is amazing. If you have not played it yet and you own a Nintendo Switch, I don't know what you're doing, but stop everything, go get it. It is an amazing adventure, um, such a cool experience, it is beautiful. The soundtrack is mind-blowing um, with how cool it is. Yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That game was crazy good. It is a masterpiece. It definitely belonged on the list. Okay. So now let's go to number three. Pokemon Go. Now, some people are going to go to me, they're going to hear that and say, but Steve, Pokemon Go isn't as good of a game as the other games on the list. Sure. I'll give you that. Pokemon Go, not as good of a game as the other games on the list. However, no one can argue. Um, I mean, I guess you can argue anything, but Pokemon Go had such a significant cultural impact the summer that it came out. Within a couple of months of Pokemon Go releasing, Pokemon Go players logged enough miles while playing the game to walk to Pluto. Let's just think about that. In a world where, you know, people talk a lot about video games making people sedentary, people locked in their homes, Niantic and the Pokemon Company put out a game that encouraged people to put in enough miles to walk collectively to Pluto. That's insane. I remember my whole family going out, we would take our two phones, and we would you know, go to the park, and there would be dozens of people there. That had never, that, uh, normally we would go to this park and there would be no one there. No one, it, maybe somebody in a jogging stroller, maybe you know, some older folks taking a walk. Um, never did we see like lots of people. It just didn't happen. Um, and then all of a sudden, like a hundred people just hanging out at a park in downtown Bristol. Um, it was crazy. And that's not even including, you know, the herd of people in, uh, you know, from the videos that you saw, like in Times Square, right? There were people playing these games everywhere. There were businesses advertising that they were Pokestops. Um, it was an absolute cultural phenomenon. And the reality is, it's still going. There are still people who play these games. Now, is it as big as it once was? No, it'll never be. And arguably nothing ever will be in that particular genre. Um, but, man, did it do a lot. Um, and it's still popular and still profitable. They're still developing for it. They just added a new buddy feature where you can like go on quests and do cool things with your buddy Pokemon. This is crazy fun. Um, and we still play it. Not every day, but I absolutely still have my Pokemon Go app on my phone, and I, you know, will use it at least once a week. So, 
that is uh, number three, Pokemon Go. All right. Next, Fortnite. I know a lot of folks that are, you know, old school, quote unquote, traditional gamers are going to scoff at Fortnite. I have gotten into so many arguments with people. They say that Fortnite is bad. They say it's for quote unquote casuals. Well, let me tell you what the biggest population of casuals is. Kids. And man, do they love Fortnite. This game, from the moment it launched, it felt like this was just a crazy phenomenon. Um, it, it is not the first Battle Royale game. It's not even what this game was originally intended for. Fortnite was originally was a cover story for Game Informer magazine just a billion years ago. And it was meant to be like this cool survival game where during the day you gathered supplies and at night the monsters attacked. So it was like base building and survival, um, survival and tower defense, which is neat, right? Like that's what the game was supposed to be. And it came out to a whimper. This game was not going to happen. It was not well-liked. Um, you know, there were some people that appreciated it, and it did some fun stuff, but it came out to a whimper because of the amount of time that it was in uh, development. Um, and then all of a sudden, they decided, um, and I'm sure that this was a complicated decision, they decided to put out a Battle Royale game uh, that was very similar to another incredibly popular Battle Royale game, um, which was um, uh, PUBG, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. And so they put out a free-to-play version of their Battle Royale game. And, guys, it took over. Um, I, the numbers on this thing, it kept growing and growing and getting more and more just insane every day. Um, I, I watched it happen, and it, I'll never, I'll still, I, I can't get over how surprising it was. I remember listening to a podcast when they announced it, and I was shoveling snow. Um, it was briefly after it was announced. I was shoveling snow, and I was like, this is a joke. Like, it's not going to take off. And now, it feels like every kid on Earth has at least tried it. Um, it's available on every platform known to man. Um, it's going to survive the jump to the next generation. Um, they aired a clip from Star Wars in it. They did an event where they put a clip from Star Wars in this game. It's absolutely freaking nuts to even think about that. And, you know, has it peaked? Probably. But at the same time, I don't know. It's such a cultural... It's, so, it's just part of what we do. Our kids do the dances. Our kids wear the merch. There's no telling how far this thing's going to go. And at this point, it's going to be around forever because it's hit a mass where there's always going to be players playing this game and it doesn't necessarily need infinity players in order to um, be profitable. So yeah, Fortnite is number two uh, without question. Um, now we get to the numero uno, the big dog, the number one family game of the last decade. And there is no question... When I made this list, when I started brainstorming, I, I said, number one, this game, and then everything else came after it. Um, to me, it wasn't even worth a discussion. I know normally when you're making top 10 lists, you have to defend your, you know, you have to, in order to keep yourself honest, you have to defend that list. 
um, you have to defend its placement um, with the other people that are around you. So I did it with the kids. Um, you know, I defended the game's place. They actually had, Evan specifically, had some really strong words for a lot of the placements on this. But eventually we all agreed and settled on the order. Um, it's Minecraft. Minecraft is the best game of this decade. Now, it barely greased it into this decade because it has been around that long. But Minecraft is ubiquitous, right? Like, everyone knows what Minecraft is. Just about every kid has played it. I, I would assume at this point, if you own a video game system or a PC or a phone, you have tried it yourself. If you haven't, um, I encourage you to do so. Minecraft is, is such an interesting experience. Um, it manages to be a teaching tool and a survival horror game. No, I'm, that's not a joke. I, I definitely think it's a survival horror game because um, it's tense at night. Um, and also like a creative tool. The, the Minecraft creative mode really does give players um, an opportunity, like a really cool canvas to make really neat stuff. Um, and we have seen all sorts of things. Um, and just playing through the game, I mean, it, it also turns out to be like a pretty okay action game. Also, there are mods and things like that online where you can just kind of play multiplayer battle royale games. Um, so it's got its own like little version of Fortnite, which is super crazy. Minecraft is an everything game. It is an amazing experience, um, and it absolutely has to be the number one family game of the decade. So here's what I want to hear from you. I went through my list. I shared the games. What do you think I got wrong? Is there a different game that should be number one? Was there a game I left off the list? Is there a game that's on here that you disagree with? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Here's two ways you can do it. Number one, I'm going to go ahead and post this podcast into the Engage Family Gaming community. You can get there by going to engagefamilygaming.com slash community. Or um, you can also tweet at me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can send a tweet to at EFGaming and let me know what you think I did wrong. So I hope you all have a great day. I will be back tomorrow to talk about our games of the year for 2019. Um, but until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. Bye now.